your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle formation of the near side, J.D. split out left. They look left, back to throw is Adrian. He could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon. He's to the five, he lays out, he's in! That's a two-point play for Nebraska, and they've tied this game in Champaign at 35 apiece. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are. Wednesday night, Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Summer. Hope you had a great day today, enjoying this beautiful weather. I, for the first time in 2020, dusted off the golf clubs, and boy, was it ugly. Ugly, Ben McLaughlin. Woo! Okay, so so what did you expect when you got to the course, <laughs> honestly? I, you know, I, I was trying to remember when the last time I played. Um... When's the last time you and I played? Because that probably was it. Maybe spring of nineteen. It might be like eighteen months since I've swung. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't go on uh, on any of the baseball trips, right? Nick and I. Nick and I went in Phoenix. (sighs) Right. Um, Yeah, I don't even remember when the last time we would have been out. It's been a long time. So I I got him out. I I, I'm gonna go play a little uh, golf. Junk it with some Big Ten boys here in a couple weeks. Looking forward to that. I figured ah, I better go swing a little bit. So now, now I got to get the big clubs out because I went to a little par three track and you know where you can chip and putt a little bit more. And I played two balls, a couple of the holes, just to get a few extra swings in. Now, now I got to get the driver out. You know the big clubs. Yeah, the the, the big boy, the the big hammer. Um, <laughs> did you lose any balls? Yeah, <laughs> I sailed the green on my first drive, and it went into like a drainage ditch that I couldn't get down in the grab. So, <laughs> okay, well, only one's a, not not too bad. Right? I hit a pitching wedge when I should have. I, I hit a nine iron when I should have hit a pitching. wedge. Well, did so. you hit it solid or did you blade? Yeah, I actually hit it pretty well that one. Okay, so yeah, I mean oh. you can't be too mad about that. Cl- you know, cl- club selection, course management, obviously something that is, <laughs> is probably the easiest things in golf to fix, other than you know the actual fundamentals and the swing. The worst is like when you haven't played in a while and you show up to the course like expecting to do well. And then after like the first three holes, you're just you're so out of it mentally that you just you, know, you may as well just pack your stuff up and go home. I finished okay, played pretty well the last couple holes, so that, that was got, got a little bit better as we went along. But I do things backward. Most people are putting their clubs away. I'm pulling mine out for the first time uh, this year. All right, here's what we have coming up on the show tonight. I got a, another edition of our Husker Huddle as Jeremiah Searles will sit down with Gerald Foster talking to the former Lincoln Southeast Knight. That'll be fun to hear that come. Conversation coming up in a few minutes. Robin Washit. Robin Washit of HuskerOnline.com. We've not talked to Robin in months. But, man, there's some basketball to talk about, so he's going to be with us at the top of hour number two. Wednesday night is our Major League Baseball Insider Night. Lane Grindle will be here. Uh, getting, he's getting ready to call the Brewers and the Reds. Final week of the regular season. And, man, that NL Central is just wild for those wild card spots and the number two spot in that division behind the Cubs. We'll get his take on the last week of the Major League season and if he's even surprised that they're still playing. A lot of people thought baseball isn't going to make it. They're going to have to shut this thing down. Here they are, a couple days away from finishing off the regular season. We'll have buy-sell coming your way tonight and have some fun with that. All the boys will join us for that segment coming up in hour number three. And as always, 
Phone lines are open and available to you at 531-500-4686. That also doubles up as our U.S. Cellular text line. U.S. Cellular, proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers. U.S. Cellular, connecting Husker Nation. All right, around the noon hour today, Ben, John Rostein, who's a great follow on Twitter. I, I'm all over his stuff. He's a college basketball analyst, uh, writer that covers College Hoops for CBSSports.com tweeted out, Nebraska will not be a part of the Myrtle Beach Invitational that had been moved to Orlando. That was announced about a week ago. And will instead host its own bubble in Lincoln during the first week of the season. Several power conference teams are expected to be included. What was your first reaction when you saw that thing come down the pike? Yeah, I mean, without getting any of the details on on the um – on the event, my first thought was, man, it's kind of too bad. You know, you you, uh, you you don't get an opportunity to go play someplace new, a good experience for your team. But, you know, once reading more about it and, and, and getting more information on it, I think this is an awesome thing for Nebraska and a great opportunity for them to, number one, stay here, stay home. But, you know, to bring some great local teams in here uh, for an event, I think will be really cool. I hope this is something that becomes an every year thing. I think this would be great if Nebraska could be, you know, one of those um, host sites for a tournament and, you know, just bring some schools to Lincoln. It'd be great for the for the community, uh, you know, to see some local schools. It'd be great for, you know, Lincoln and the Haymarket area to, to have that type of event and, um, yeah, I'm all about it. I think this is going to end up being a pretty cool thing. Back in the 80s and well into the 90s, Nebraska routinely would host the Emeritus Classic. It would be a tournament right around Thanksgiving weekend. It would be a four-team deal where Nebraska would bring in one fairly quality opponent and then a couple of low majors uh, and get two games out of it. it. It went away. It's been a couple decades since that has been competed. This, though, Looks like, according to John Rothstein's report, and we're going to talk more about this with Robin coming up in the second hour, you're talking about more Power 5 schools coming here, uh, which would really spice up the event. And, and and Lincoln would be a terrific place to do it because with the Devaney Center, you could have two eight-team tournaments going on at different sites in the Devaney Center and PBA. And as the current health initiatives say you could even have some fans of the stands and you hope in a couple of months you could even have more that could go to that plus nebraska with the purchase of that rapid testing device that they now have situated at home for in east stadium they that's one caveat they can offer all these schools you come here you can get tested every morning at breakfast and we can tell you in about 30 minutes whether your guys are good to go or not that's got to be another lucrative thing and you talk about a nice jump for some for some of the economy ben to house 16 basketball teams in the city of lincoln would fill up an awful lot of hotel rooms yeah it would and i think you know hopefully we get to a point where you know it's safe for fans to come it's safe for the community to, to, to host that many people but again i think you know this yeah, and we're still getting details about what what this is all going to do to economies being COVID-19 and, and the lack of, you know, football games. Ohio State kind of put out today their plans on how to make up for over a $100 million deficit, even with TV money. You, you start to get a sense of what this is going to do for not just athletic departments, but the communities of the Big Ten. And I think, 
You know, Nebraska is certainly not immune to that. And the more things like this that you can do to help those businesses, help those restaurants, um, help the, you know, the Airbnbs, help the hotels, you know, anything to encourage any type of tourism or attraction to your community is, is going to be great. It's just you, you know, you hope we're at a point where people feel safe enough to want to come do that. You know, if South Dakota state's in this thing, come on down from Brookings or, you know, Colorado state State. come over. Yeah. Come over from Fort Collins, you know, those types of things to get people to want to come to Lincoln and spend a long weekend and, you know, see what Lincoln has to offer. But again, the, the, the big thing is they have to feel safe and wanting to do that. And, uh, that's that's the first step but it, it, if we do get to that point this is a great idea you know for for Nebraska to put one of these on and 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 not just because we're here but I think Pinnacle Bank Arena is a great place for people to want to come play I don't think it is you know just Nebraska being selfish and saying you know come to our place we're not going to go anywhere else it's not them pulling a Duke for example and saying you know we're too good for this we're going to do our own thing I think I think there is a certain attraction to Pinnacle Bank Arena and and just the atmosphere in Lincoln for a college basketball game and I th- I think a fair amount of people up in Omaha who are just general hoops fans would want to come watch you know Colorado State play Colorado or or whoever whoever ends up being in this thing I I think it has a chance to be a pretty cool deal Absolutely and the Devaney Center certainly can be outfitted for basketball you wouldn't have the big crowd but I don't know that you're going to be able to have a huge crowd by November anyway, and you have plenty of locker room space over the Devaney Center as well where you could house the teams uh, while they participate in this tournament. So really exciting to see that today. Fred Hoiberg already has a lot of fans in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, he would gain a heck of a lot more if he does this, if he's able to pull this thing off and help fill up hotels and uh, some of these restaurants in town. Uh, like you said, it would not make up for a lost football game day weekend but it would certainly be a nice nice help uh, late in the season. And again, John Rostein's tweet did say it would be for the first week of the season, which we learned about 10 days ago is on November 25th, which is the night before Thanksgiving. So you could see a tournament maybe taking place over that three or four day stretch around the Thanksgiving holiday. Husker football continues to work out without pads. We're still about a week away from that happening. And uh, Bill Moose updated us on that last night. But the social media group over at North Stadium has been busy. They put out a pretty interesting little thing today. It was kind of a day in the life of Cade Warner, who uh, uh, put up, you know, he like he had, a, I don't know, he wore a GoPro on him or what he, what he did, but he saw him waking up in the morning and getting himself ready and walking into the facility and getting, getting checked out and then having a meeting with his uh, position group. I thought it was a pretty well done kind of peek behind the curtain of of uh, what it's like to be a wide receiver and a player in this program. Yeah, and we actually heard from Wandale Robinson this week about one of the changes that the team is implementing due to the coronavirus, and that's moving their meetings into the indoor practice facility. And, you know, when he said that, a part of me was a little wondering, okay, where'd you do it? How was that set up? Well, we got to see that today with mm-hmm. Kate Warner's footage. They were definitely just right there on the practice field with a screen pulled down and and, and going over some things and yeah that was pretty cool I I've always wanted to kind of do that you know follow an athlete around for a day and just you know give people a sense of what it's like I think you know you and I who are around these guys a lot kind of understand you know what their days entail from waking up before the sun comes up and having obligations until the sun goes down and going to bed and rinse repeat uh, I think it was kind of cool for fans to see that a little bit now 
it, this was a, a crash course version. I think the video was what, like a minute 40 or something like that. Yeah. Um, so everything was kind of sped up, but I think it did kind of give people a sense of, of what, you know, a day in the life of a Husker football player is like. And one thing that you and I were not really privy to is what the testing protocols were like and what that looked like. And so that was new for us yeah, for everybody that got to see that footage of, you know, the, how, how they tested when they tested and, you know, what all that looked like too. So uh, another home run hit today by uh, Husker Husker Social Media. Really good stuff. If you haven't seen it, go go to wherever you get your social media work, and you'll be able to find it. It came out oh early late this morning. Uh, they put that put that video up there. Another day, a couple more cancellations for college football. The poor Houston Cougars can't get it going. They've lost another game. They were supposed to play North Texas this weekend. They were the ones that were ready to play Baylor last weekend, and the game got canceled on Friday. They were supposed to play Houston, or Memphis earlier in September. That game got canceled. They just can't seem to get a game going. And USF, USF, who played Notre Dame and got rocked last weekend in South Bend, they've had to cancel their game this weekend with FAU. Remember, We mentioned yesterday that Notre Dame's game with Wake Forest has been canceled. Uh, postpone they're going to make that up December the 12th uh, because the Irish are having some issues and again the Irish played South Florida last week so it affected both of those teams part of that game as well Arkansas State lost another game today as well to a cancellation with COVID that's going to be the way it is folks during this uh, during this fall of 2020 I think you're going to see college games getting wiped off so just appreciate everyone that happens and I think that's how we're going to approach the Husker football season when it gets going on October the 24th. Welcome back to another edition of Husker Huddle here on the Husker Sports Network. I'm your host on this, Jeremiah Searle. Today we are joined by fellow Husker Pipeline member, former member, I guess, as same with me, um, Gerald Foster. Uh, he was a great mainstay here for a long time, team captain here through um, the years that he played at left guard. He got a chance at the NFL. We're actually part of the same agency, the One West Sports team here. So, Gerald, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Yeah, uh, I'm in Colorado right now, uh, just enjoying life, so... Absolutely. It's a good time. I just got back from a week-long elk hunt out there in Colorado. It was a great time. Where are you living at now? I'm in Castle Rock. It's like right between uh, Denver and uh, Colorado Springs. So very it's nice. nice. Very nice. Well, Gerald, one thing we like to do here on Husker Huddle is just kind of catch up with guys on what they've been up to since they left Nebraska and kind of their story and how Nebraska has kind of helped them propel through life here. So we know that you, you had a chance there. You had a stint with the Washington Redskins as you left uh, Nebraska here. Talk a little bit what that was like for you and then kind of your transition out of football after that as well. Yeah, no, it was a whole lot of fun. Uh, got to meet a lot of guys that I'm still friends with. I feel like that's football for everybody. You know, it doesn't matter how long you're somewhere. You're always going to find a good group of guys and, you know, grinding every single day with them. Uh, it's, a, it's a different kind of connection. I, I really do believe that, you know, sports, it uh, brings you together. The, the other, you know, big one would be um, all, all of my friends that I know that are in the military. They, they talk the same about just how, you know, when, when you have to be by each other every single day, you have to work with a guy every single uh Every single moment that you guys are uh, doing anything, that it really does make you uh, feel like family. So that uh, that was a whole lot of fun. After I was done there, I ended up uh, getting into the XFL. I was uh, down in Tampa, and um, for the games that we played, it was it was a whole lot of fun. Crazy atmosphere, you know, uh, a whole lot different than the NFL. Um, they they kind of wanted us to you know showboat, have fun, <laughs> uh, be out there. 
so we did, at least the guys down in Tampa. And um, unfortunately, you know, this year with how COVID has been, uh, it, it cut our season short at the start of the year. But I am happy that football's back. Uh, talking about, you know, football being back, Nebraska, uh, being able to get all their stuff going. <laughs> excited. I am so excited to be able to be out here with all these Buff fans and Ugh. I get to wear my Nebraska stuff. <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, that, that was pretty much how it all went. Um, talking about how Nebraska affected, you know, where I'm at right now, um, the guys that I worked out with after I was done in Nebraska, we worked with a guy named Chris Slatt, and um, pretty much he he knew Nathan Gary really well, and from there, uh, extended out to all of us. I call him family now, um, but he works out um he works out a lot of older uh older guys throughout nebraska and one of the guys was a dude named edward ring and um he's the person that ended up giving me a job out here in colorado uh he saw me and uh knew my background was in construction management and he was like do you want to go out to colorado uh, he was like i know with covid and everything uh football is really not as open for guys so uh if you would like to, you know, start your career, we'd definitely like you. And I was like, that sounds like a whole lot of fun. So I've been out here. It's been great. That's awesome, man. I actually just, funny you mentioned that, I just did a networking event with the Husker Life Skills Department last night for all second-year Huskers talking about the importance of making connections while you're in your sport. Um, and it's just crazy. I mean, Nebraska football opened so many doors for me to really be sitting here interviewing you for the Husker Sports Network. It opened doors for you that allowed you to step into your career. Talk a little bit about how important that was networking and kind of what it meant for you to use that network once football was over to kind of help navigate the next paths. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think that's something that Nebraska does. Uh, it, it does so well. They, they allow you to understand, you know, uh, a degree, it is amazing, right? A degree is it's something that we're all shooting for, but uh, your, your ability to connect with people and your ability to build your relationships is another part of it. And uh, at Nebraska, with life skills, they, they really, they're, they're, they're pushing you towards that goal of being able to understand each other, understand individuals. And uh, I, I really do think that's what allows me to do so well now. Um, from the academic uh, support that we have to our life skills support, it uh, just sets you up. It really makes it hard to fail. So um, as long as everybody just keeps listening to Dennis <laughs> and listening to Keith, I think they'll be good. Yeah, your mother happened to be a part of that call. Wonderful lady, Charlie Foster is an incredible woman. She does some great things with diversity and um, networking as well piece there. So she had glowing things to say about you as any mother would. <laughs> make you sound great <laughs> absolutely well Gerald now that you've had a chance now to take off the cleats kind of look back on your career I know this is something that I did that was harder for me to do but I really enjoyed it what were some times back at Nebraska I know being with the guys but and just really that you reflect on that you're like man that was a really cool moment for me or those were really cool weeks or months or years or what were some of the really standout moments from your career as a Husker that you will never forget as you move forward in life well I would definitely say uh just being able to be humbled in your first year um mm -hmm. you know coming out of coming out of high school you you feel as though you've uh you know 
you're the man on the mountain, right? Top dog. <laughs> then you you finally yeah you finally get there and you see that you know your mountain's a hill and now you're looking straight up and you're like goodness gracious I can't imagine being able to be up there with those guys. But um, I I, I think just being humbled by the guys that I had and the guys that I was able to look up to, uh, you being one of them, uh, it it just made it so I was I was not only not only did I understand that I had a lot more uh, that I could do, you know, in my sport, but I understood that uh, I, I got I got great support here, and um, if, as long as I take advantage of that, I think I could do great things. So uh, that that's one thing that I, I have always thought is like the coolest thing ever. You know, I came in the first week, and you just see these dudes in the weight room doing things that don't make sense. <laughs> um, out on the field, we were running what it was our first quarters. And uh, we could barely get through one. You guys are laughing through the first two, and I was like, "Well, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a crazy year." But um, yeah, from all of that, that that's what um, that's what really made it special to me. Uh, and then I guess that that pushed me forward. Uh, you know, we're gonna look to senior year, being able to be that for the uh, the up and coming guys. Mm. You know, after you've seen it and you've you've loved. You know, having those guys there for you, um, you want to do that for the next group. And I, I took it upon myself, and I know a good amount of the guys did. Uh, with us coming in with a, a new staff our senior year, we were like, we need to make this the easiest transition. We need to make it so that the guys, they, they don't see negativity in the rooms. We need to be able to push forward because it, it, it's something that's amazing. Uh, when you when you have a good group of leaders and a good group of guys to uh, follow what that'll um, what that'll push you to do. So uh, hopefully this year is going to be a great year for your Huskers. We're all you know excited. <laughs> I can't wait to watch out here. So it's going to be a fun time. Absolutely. Well, some of those young guys, Gerald, that you were with are now the mainstay guys, right? I mean, I think of Brendan Hymas. I think of Matt Farniak. You got Cameron Jurgens in there. And then you've got a, a group of young guys over there. I mean, you got Bryce Benhart. You got Banks. You got these young up-and-comers. Talk a little about the guys that you know. Talk a little about the guys that maybe you didn't have a ton of time with. But this Husker offensive line this year, for me, is, should be a staple for them. I think it should be one of their strong suits. What are your thoughts on the pipeline this year? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I'm happy to see that they are uh, they're finding stability back in the room. Um, our senior year, we had what was it? Three, three of the starters, right? yeah, Foster, Utter, four. and uh, uh, Farmer, or uh, Conrad. Conrad, that's who it was. Yep. Yeah. So us uh, three being seniors and leaving that, it uh, it left kind of big holes, but. These guys stepped up, um, like you said, Hymas, Farniak. They're they are they are the leaders, and it's really good to see. It's great to see guys getting opportunities and um, taking advantage of them. I uh, I'm excited. The young guy, uh, what was the young tackle's name? That's Bryce Benhart. Yeah, he uh, he was talking to me. So I, I was done, obviously, but um, I was walking around one. Uh, one of the days of the practice, he came up and he was in one of his recruiting trips, and he was telling me if you know how amazing this place is, hmm. and uh, I was just trying to you know 
give him my spiel, tell him what I felt like, you know, is so great about Nebraska. And um, from that, he was like, thank you so much for talking to me. I was so happy that, you know, uh, older guy would come up and, you know, spend time with me. I'm like, if that's, if that's all I got to do, that's the easiest thing ever, <laughs> you know, talk football. <laughs> so uh, I- I'm happy to see he's doing well too. This is a, this is a great offensive line. I know that they're all ready for this, uh, for this year that's finally here. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about a wild year, man. Try and, as well, my last question for you here is just kind of where you might think that you, I like asking guys this. I know people have asked me, like, you're going into your senior year and you have this whole mess that happens to you. Like, how do you mentally handle it? Like, what would your message, you were a team captain, the team captains here are gonna really have to rally and kind of really rally the troops for the third time of like, let's gear up for a season here. Like, what would your message be or what would you do to try and really try and focus everyone in, get prepared to go start your season in late October? Yeah, um, well, the the message that I would have had at the start would have been patience, obviously. You know, there are big frustrations throughout this year. Um, guys wanting to play, I understand it completely. Um, but just having having a little bit of patience that, uh, you know, there, there's always the light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't matter how curvy it is. And uh, for them to be where they're at now, um, rallying the troops, hopefully, it's it's a lot simpler uh, than, than what I'm thinking it is. You know, in my head, it's like there, there have to be guys that are in lulls. Uh, but for the guys that aren't, for the guys that, you know, have stayed uh, steadfast and everybody that, that feels like, you know, this is our time. Uh, they need to be the ones that pull their guys out of the gutters. They need to be the ones that uh, make every single uh, workout for what has been the past week uh, amazing. You know, um, with all of that, Coach Frost, I, I know his staff. They they are a group that are going to be able to get these guys ready. As long as they come into this first game with their mindset on we can still do crazy things. Um, they're they're gonna have a good year. Uh, I don't know exactly how it would have been if I would have been starting in October, though. <laughs> one th- one more thing here. You you mentioned the staff here for Frost. Talk a little bit on what Greg Austin is and what he means to this offensive line room. He's done a phenomenal job since he's gotten here. I think, and I mean he's he's worked with a lot of different guys that came from a lot of positions, switching new offenses, and you haven't really seen development, which I think is what you want to see from college coaches. How was he in your development? What do you what was most exciting working with Greg? Well, I would say um, from just seeing the people that he's brought up, you know, uh, you you can tell that he is a. Uh, he is the rock in the sand, you know. Uh, there are a whole lot of people that their their foundation is it it, tr- it crumbles, but for his, it's uh, it's strong. He understands what he wants, and he believes in um, in what he's been doing with the guys. So, with uh, with all that, that that's what I, I think you're able to see. So so many guys that are getting better, so many guys that are improving on their game because they they're able to understand that this guy isn't just trying to figure it out for one game you know he's not just trying to make it so that they can get through uh whoever they have to be going against he's trying to make them a better player at the end of the day and he's going to make you into the best that you can be before you uh get out of the program so um it was a whole lot of fun having our year together i was happy um that he he's a guy that not only knows a lot but asks a lot of questions 
you know, one thing that will stick with me, uh, it was Garrison back when he, he told me, he was like, because uh, he was, it was pretty much he was talking to the whole uh, offensive line, but it was more for the young guys to kind of hear it that um, as the seniors, they might know more than you, but they will still ask you questions because if you see something that is as obvious that you, you know, as, as a guy that hasn't been out there and you're able to see it and you're able to, to correct it, that's something that needed to be corrected mm -hmm. a long time ago. And um, I, I feel like that's, that's where he is too. That's where uh, Coach Austin is. So uh, hats off to the guy. He's not only a great coach, he's a great person. And uh, I, I know the pipeline is in great hands. Absolutely. Well, Jared, we thank you here for joining us here on Husker Huddle and the Sport Husker Sports Network. We're going to continue to follow you in your career, whatever it might be. You share that special bond that all of us share. Anything you want to say here to Husker Nation before we let you go? Uh, just stick by the boys. It's going to be a crazy year. We're <laughs> all excited for it. That's all I got. Well, we're just beginning with Robin Washington. Always a pleasure to have him on board from HuskerOnline.com. It's been, boy, several months. I haven't been ignoring you. I just haven't had a whole lot to, to <laughs> talk to you about. I guess I could just talk all New York Giants with you, but that might only last about a minute and a half, I would guess. Yeah, literally no one listening wants that. So we'll, we'll skip that topic <laughs> altogether. Uh, and as far as, yeah, uh, there's been much more pressing matters over the last couple of months than, uh, than Nebraska basketball. So I, I totally understand the, the, de the delay in appearance. Well, so much, so much uncertainty, and it, and it bleeds into basketball, although we're getting a little bit of clarity now with the November 25th start date. What, what have you been able to learn today about this possible large tournament or collection of teams coming to town? Well, obviously everything is still very much in the uh, infant stages of getting this thing going, but uh, Nebraska is actively pursuing an idea that it came up with on its own to host its own, um, they call them a, uh, basically a neutral site tournament where uh, they would host as I think they're looking to get 16 total teams uh, in the field from all over. I mean, not just the region, but, uh, you know, nationally uh, conferences, they don't have any schools named yet. I think what they're trying to do is uh, finalize uh, that sort of stuff over the next like two to four days, but they're pursuing teams from the big 12, the SEC, the PAC 12, the mountain West, the WAC, the WCC, uh, and basically you name it. And so uh, it should be a interesting field that will be made up of, I mean, I guess one way to narrow down the, the schools that will be involved are those that aren't already committed to one of those neutral site tournaments. And so uh, a lot of schools are starting to back out from the tournaments that were on the same level as the, the Myrtle Beach Invitational that Nebraska was supposed to play in this year. Um, Nebraska backed out because they didn't feel comfortable enough with uh, the, um, the the daily testing. Um, and so, you know, they figured we have all of the resources uh, that you could ask for here in Lincoln. We have an arena and an auxiliary arena in the Devaney Center at our disposal. We have a multitude of hotels within a block of that arena that uh, are probably desperate to host people uh, right now. And so it just makes too much sense not to try and get this thing going. So uh, there's still I's to dot, T's to cross. But um, if that goes through, that tournament could very well make up the majority of Nebraska's uh, non-conference schedule. If you remember uh, when the NCAA announced the start date, they also uh, had some provisions where 
they're going to allow teams to play uh, 27 games uh, total, uh, and however we want to break that up. And in the Big Ten teams' case, 20 of those are going to be league games, so that would give Nebraska seven non-conference games. And so um, they're still on for the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, opponent is still to be determined, but that's a game. Uh, and then this field, uh, if they're able to get all 16, will you know, at least give them uh, you know, a handful uh, of, of those matchups as well. And then the rest, I would assume would be filled out with just your, your typical buy games where, you know, it's the, the mid to low major opponent that, that comes in to basically try to recoup what he'll be losing uh, with some of the cancellations going on college basketball. Robin, do you know, is, is Nebraska doing all the heavy lifting or are they partnered with a sports promotional group that maybe puts these things together? Do you have any information on that? Yeah, they, so it's their idea and they're kind of like spearheading the idea, but ultimately it will be organized and executed by a third party, uh, you know, promotional company, uh, like you mentioned. And a lot of that is just for legal liability reasons where, you know, obviously there's a lot of layers involved putting on something like this, especially right now. Uh, so they want to kind of just take that responsibility off their hands and, you know, let somebody else take care of it. And so, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of companies that had tournaments get canceled altogether or are seeing, you know, a lot of their teams back out, um, you know, especially after, uh, you know, a lot of those have been moved to Orlando or reported to be moved to Orlando or some sort of bubble location. So um, the name of the company, I don't know yet. I think that's still in the works as well. But uh, it, Nebraska is basically, they came up with the idea and they're going to let somebody else actually pull it out. Right, yeah, which makes total sense. You get, you give it to people who are used to doing this type of thing. Nebraska's got a lot on their plate to get ready for a season. Again, visiting with Robin Washington of HuskerOnline.com here on Sports Nightly. The the idea dropped earlier today that Nebraska is pursuing putting together a 16-team tournament here in Lincoln for late November, early December. What about television partners? I would I would guess if a if a game involves Nebraska, maybe maybe BTM would be interested in picking that up, wouldn't they? I'm sure. And, you know, obviously the with the Myrtle Beach deal, uh, you know, that was an ESPN right. uh, broadcast. And so, you know, who knows? I, I guarantee you that if they get you know, multiple high majors, you know, television networks are going to be scrambling to show as many sports as they possibly can. So uh, I guarantee you they'll have suitors. And, you know, I guess we'll see what the field looks like to see how big of a draw this tournament um, will actually be. But certainly, you know, if they're pursuing that many uh, power six level schools, there should be, you know, a little cachet to it that, you know, could get it uh, nationally televised. And I think BTN would certainly jump at that opportunity, especially considering that that's all going down the first week of the season. And a lot of the Big Ten's marquee teams like the Michigan States and and Michigan's uh, are playing in uh, neutral side tournaments that are more than likely owned by ESPN. So, uh, you know, that would be a nice consolation prize for that first week of the season uh, beginning on November 25th. Right. I, I hate to even bring this up because this gives, makes my head hurt, but uh, do we know for sure the Big Ten's going to allow non-conference games or are they going to do something similar in basketball that they did in football and say, nah, we're not going to – we're not going to let our teams get out of a bubble. We're going to just going to play each other. Do you, do we do we know yet on that? No, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know if the big I don't know if the Big Ten knows at this point. You know, they're uh, still trying to figure out how they're going to navigate this thing. Obviously, the football season and and all that went came with that uh, took up a, the majority of their time, and now they're trying to figure out you know how they're going to turn the page to, to basketball. You know, there's there's no guarantee that there'll be a non-conference game, and 
there's also or no guarantee that uh, they're going to wait until January to play. You know, I think that yeah. there's that, uh, that golden window that everybody refers to post Thanksgiving through mid-January when students aren't in classes, you have to take advantage of that. So if there are no non-conference games, they better start getting league play uh, going much earlier than, you know, January one. And here's why I'm somewhat encouraged that they are going to allow non-conference games is that the, the big 10 ACC challenge is still on at this point. And it's being nationally reported that it's still on. It's just a matter of figuring out the teams and um, you know, the matchups. And right now that's set for December 8th and 9th. So the fact that that is still, I guess, as we speak tonight, uh, in stone, that's encouraging that the Big Ten is leaning towards allowing non-conference games. And I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't know why they wouldn't. Basketball is such a, an easier sport to pull off logistically under these circumstances that, you know, there, there's so much more flexibility and, and ways to kind of navigate around the COVID-19 stuff, certainly compared to football. So I would at least you know, hope that they would give them a handful of non-conference games. And even if it is a situation where, you know, Nebraska says, hey, we can do all this daily testing and we can keep everybody safe. We have a totally controlled environment. You know, why, why can't we play a few games? The Big Ten might look at that and say, well, yeah. So uh, I'm hopeful. Uh, and the fact that that Big Ten ACC thing is still on the table uh, gives me more reason to believe that there will be a non-conference season, but that's about all we know at this point. And with the Big Ten, <laughs> you never know what's going to happen any given day. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. I mean, it all makes sense. It all should be worth it. should be done. But, again, we've been surprised in the last couple months with what the league has done as it pertains to football. It's also going to be interesting, too, and maybe pretty odd if, let's say, that tournament gets thrown together and it, it does happen and you have fans in the stands, and then you may have a Saturday or a Friday Nebraska-Iowa football game with nobody in the stands still. I, it, it's going to be really – and I, 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 I'm, I'll I, be glad. I'd be great if they can put some fans in PBA or the Devaney Center, wherever they end up playing this thing, but it'll be pretty odd if they've got basketball fans indoors and watching a game and not being able to be outside with football. I want to I want to quick. I know I'm running out of time with you here, but I want to quickly touch on some recruiting news. Uh, a blow earlier this week, wasn't it, to Nebraska not to get the young point guard out of North Carolina? Yeah, for sure. Carter Witt, uh, four-star, number 63 player in the 2021 class. He's a guy in Nebraska been recruiting basically since the staff got here. Uh, And he came on an official visit this past February. And he was earlier debating reclassifying up to 2020, decided to stay in 2021. Well, a couple weeks ago, he decided that, you know, with his prep school season essentially being shut down, that he was going to move back to 2020. Nebraska immediately said, you know, we'll, we'll come come here. We'll figure it out. Uh, problem was they didn't have an open scholarship for him. And, you know, they had ideas that could work around that. I mean, they were, they were going to make it happen no matter what. It's just a matter of finding the right path to do it. But ultimately, uh, at the 11th hour, uh, he decided to go with the school, Wake Forest, that, you know, his father went there and he grew up a Wake Forest fan. Obviously, he's from Raleigh, North Carolina, that just down the road. And so, you know, it was another gut punch for Nebraska basketball for, especially given the amount of time, effort, and uh, just resources this staff put into to recruit Carter went for two different classes and ended up not getting them in either. What, what's who's, who's next on their kind of wish list. Do you have an idea where are they looking for certain spots? Uh, just the best guys they can get. What, what's, what's mm-hmm. kind of on their Christmas list. Well, right now they have one available scholarship for the 2021 class because the other one is currently being held by Keishe Tomonaga, the shooting guard from 
uh, Ranger College down in Texas. And so obviously there will more than likely be uh, off-season attrition. And so we'll see how many spots they have to fill. But right now with that one open spot, I would put a kid by the name of, this is a great name, Wilhelm Breedenbach. He's a six. <laughs> 6'9", 210, 20-pound forward. I wouldn't call him a center. He's more of a a stretch four uh, who plays out at uh, Mater Dei, um, the the school out in Santa Clara, Santa Ana, California. Anyway, uh, he's also came on an official visit last fall, and he's had Nebraska extremely high on his list for some time now. Nebraska has prioritized him from the jump. They love the way that he fits. Uh, in Fred Hoiberg's scheme with his ability to play inside and out. And right now, from what I'm hearing, it's down to Nebraska and Marquette. Now, we'll we'll see kind of how this thing plays out over the next couple of weeks, but, um, you know, a decision could be coming, you know, by, uh, I guess, the next couple of months because initially he wanted to have a commitment done before his senior season. Now, obviously, he wanted to take visits, and that can't happen, so that time frame's kind of up in the air, but it wouldn't be a surprise if a decision uh, from him came sooner than later. And as it stands right now, you know, I like Nebraska's chances. That being said, I like their chances with Carter Witt too. And that didn't happen. Well, they are 18, 19 year old. It's hard to predict anything. Those young men do. <laughs> it's just recruiting, man. Robin, we appreciate it. It's been too long. Uh, and seriously, I do. I feel awful for Saquon Barkley. He's one of the great stars in the national football league and to lose a guy that early in the season. That's, that's a blow for the league, just let alone the giants who are now going to feel that, that brunt. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. But now at least I don't have to emotionally invest myself as much in each game. You know, I was, I was hoping to make it further than week two, but uh, it was going to happen eventually. Might as well get out of the way. There's always bright sides, right? Robin, we appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> yep, see you, Greg. His voice will sound familiar. And Nebo's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. All right, I checked my uh, my standings this morning. The Brewers are in. In with uh, just less than a week to go. How about that? It's pretty exciting, but the thing is, there's so many games left and so many teams in contention, you can't get... You can't get too happy about it yet. You got to keep plugging forward and pushing forward if you're the Brewers and, and you want to see the postseason. They're in today. Um, check with us again tomorrow morning. There's just a lot left between now and the finish line. It doesn't seem like there should be. It's Wednesday. The season ends Sunday. But especially with a condensed schedule, everybody's just so bunched up. So just keep winning and take care and th- taking care of things in front of you. That's all you can really do if you're the Brewers. Boy, did the schedule maker nail it, right? I mean, you're playing the teams that it matters. You're playing the Reds now, and you'll have the Cardinals this weekend. It it works out really pretty well. I I love that they do this. And, you know, last year we finished with the Rockies on the road, which was all well and good, but it's not a divisional rival. Uh, We finished with them in 2016 as well. 18, we finished with the Tigers. It's way more fun when you're finishing with a divisional rival because there's a good chance you're playing for something. And that's going to be the case this year with the Reds. And then we go to St. Louis and obviously plenty on the line between the Cardinals and the Brewers. And so it just, it does, it adds to the drama. Uh, I think the fact that you play your division so much in the month of September in a typical season is, is a lot of fun. And uh, it really makes the races just that much more compelling. And you know each other so well. I mean, you know the team so well. And so there aren't a lot of surprises left by the time. It's just kind of, all right, let's go blow for blow and see who comes out on top. 
Are you surprised that baseball has made it? I mean, what, what did you think back in July, deep down? Did you feel like, oh, this is going to work, or no, by August 5th, we're going to be, the, they're going to pull the plug? Are you surprised you're, you're hitting the finish line here? No, I'm not surprised. I, I felt like if they were going to do this, they were going to have a strong commitment to making it work. And I do think when we look back on the arguing, and it feels like a decade ago now, the arguing over 90 games or 100 games and prorated pay and everything else, it, it, it felt like you didn't want to try to get too many games in. You needed to get through a full season, whatever that number was, and you needed to accomplish the goal. I, I thought that was as important as anything. And so 60 was less than a lot of people wanted. I understand that. And I think now because they worked through so many issues, they could have played a longer season probably because now we kind of have a better feel for it all. But I, I, I think we don't know what's going to happen with this pandemic moving forward, Greg. I mean, we, we all hope for the best. We all hope that things get back to normal as soon as possible. But what I can safely say now is Brewers going to play 162 games next year unless something crazy happens. Uh, I hope it's with fans. I hope it's totally normal and we're back to normal. But I think – we wouldn't know that right now if they hadn't tried to play this year and get these games in. So I just think what they did this year was incredibly important. It blazed a trail, so to speak. And um, I, I'm not surprised they got through it because I think after the Marlins outbreak and then the Cardinals outbreak, everybody was really nervous. And there was, there was a lot of chatter, I think, from people maybe outside of baseball as much as anybody, from people saying, shut it down. Shut it down. Well, there were really no hospitalizations at all, um, at least not to my knowledge, of anybody that, that contracted the virus through the Major League Baseball season um, that was, a, you know, a player. And they said, no, we're going to tweak our protocols. We're going to tighten things up. We're going to make sure this works. It's too important for this league and for these teams and for their employees for us to just give up. And they didn't do it. And they pushed forward and they cleaned it up. And there's been hardly any positive cases since. And when there have been, they've shut down a series here or there. And they've been able to make it up. They've remained flexible. And, and I'm proud of baseball the way they've done this. I think it's been incredibly important for baseball. But I think it's also been incredibly important for sports in general. Because um, this has given other leagues and other conferences at the collegiate level the confidence to, to move forward and do this. And you did it without a bubble. Right, I mean that—that that was the big criticism. How's baseball going to do this without a bubble? The NBA, the NHL—they get it right. They're in a bubble. Major League Baseball said, "No, we're not going to do that." Yeah, and I—I I would say, not a true bubble in the sense of what the NBA did, but bubble-ish. I mean, I think in terms of what the expectations were on these guys, uh, a little bit different at home than what it was when they were on the road. But they were pretty much in a bubble on the road. By the time it was all said and done, they really weren't allowed to leave their hotels or anything like that. Um, and they are going to bubble the postseason just because I think as much as anything, um, competitively, you really need to not have to delay series and things because it, it, it can give one team a greater advantage because they can bring a pitcher back in the series in game three after he threw in game one potentially and things like that. So from a competitive um, standpoint, you, you want it to be honest and true and you don't want to be delaying series. So I think putting it in a bubble for the postseason eliminates some of that risk. And so that's a good thing. But, no, they, they – I mean, for the most part, they did it in a more 
um, non-bubble way than certainly what the NBA did. And it's probably more similar to what the NFL's doing. And the NFL's making it work, too, right now. So I think if you test a lot, and that's what you're going to experience in the Big Ten, they're going to be testing basically daily. I think if you're testing a lot, it makes it easier to contact trace. It makes it easier to quarantine people and to prevent these outbreaks. And I, I think that you can do a pretty good job with this, and, and we can have sports. And, and isn't it great to have sports? I mean, we were in a desert a few months ago where we didn't have any sports, and we all wanted to see them come back. And now we've kind of shown a path forward. We hope that it's just totally normal soon. But even if it doesn't get normal soon, we can still have our sports as we move forward. And I think that's a really positive thing for everybody. Lane Grindle's with us. He's our Major League Baseball insider. The Brewers taking on the Reds tonight and then off to play the Cardinals to wrap up the regular season. We're starting to hear chatter about who might be the MVP in both leagues, who might win the Cy Young in both leagues. And we know there's going to be an asterisk by their names. But will we get quality guys winning those awards in your eyes? Well, I think so. I think Jose Abreu is is probably the maybe the front runner in the American League right now. And you look at the year he's having, and you look at what he's done over the course of his career. Hard to argue there. Luke Voigt uh, is probably in the conversation a little bit too with the Yankees. He's had a big year, um, and I'm sure I'm leaving out other names that would be in that conversation. Jose Ramirez has kind of mm-hmm. gotten hot here over the last couple of weeks, and he's probably in the midst of the AL MVP conversation, too. Um, in the NL, when you start looking at MVPs, I mean, Tatis and Machado both probably have a little bit of an argument that they could make in San Diego. That's just a really fun team and a really good team uh, that they run out there. And, um, you know, I, I think that the Cy Young is going to be, to me, a little harder to figure out because – when you look at the MVP, it's still kind of just raw numbers and who's got the best numbers. And, and, and you'd, you'd say the same thing with the Cy Young, but how are you going to value innings? How are you going to value the number of starts? Um, these are guys that made eight to ten starts over the course of this season. And so I, 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 I think it's going to be harder. And, and the Brewers have a guy that I think is very deserving of winning the Cy Young. It's, that's Corbin Burns. He leads in almost every major category when it comes to starting pitching uh era he's 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 near the top in strikeouts and if he had started in the rotation at the beginning of the year he'd probably be at the top in terms of strikeouts strikeouts per nine all those things he's right near the top i think he deserves the cy young but you know he didn't start the first couple of weeks of the year he wasn't in the rotation so how's that going to be viewed how's that skewed his numbers um in terms of he's not going to have the same number of innings as other guys I don't know, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see what the voters do in that regard. Um, reliever of the year is another one. The Brewers have Devin Williams. They've, they've got the back-to-back reliever of the year in the NL and Josh Hader, and now Devin Williams almost certainly is going to win that, but he's also maybe going to win the NL Rookie of the Year. Do you give him both awards? I don't know. It's going to be fun to see all these things shake out and how these awards end up getting doled out. All right, lay it out for us. Playoff start next week. How, how do they do the first round? So the first round is the best of three. It'll be at home sites, so the higher seed will host. So, like, if the season ended today, the Brewers would go to L.A. and take on the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium for the best of three. Then you move on to, to the next round, essentially, right? So then, you know, the winners of those will move on to the DS, and then, of course, you're kind of into the normal, normal routine of things at that point in time. So 
Um, that's going to be interesting. I like the three-game series. I don't think you'll – I mean, I don't know. I, I Who knows what they're going to do postseason format moving forward after this year. This was the year to experiment if you're going to do it. I do think there's something to be said for – let's say the, the, the postseason format goes back to the way it was. I think there's something to be said for instead of a one-game wild card, you go to a three-game wild card, um, a best of three, and you just play it all at the higher seed, which – some people might not like that, but I don't think logistically with travel and everything else, there's a really good way to do it. So you get the higher seed, you get to host the three games. You get to host the one game now, as it is. And so I, I think that's just a truer outcome. You play 162 games to get to the postseason, and then it all comes down to one game. It's kind of a tough one. Talk to the Oakland A's in 2014 about that. Talk to the Brewers last year, who had the, the Nationals beat, and the, the Nationals come back in the eighth inning, win it, and on an error, and then they go on and win the World Series. So I think that, that it's a truer outcome if you play three-game series. I'd like to see that change moving forward for the wild card round specifically. I don't know that you're going to see this exact format in the future, but who knows? I mean, Rob Manfred has talked about it. I think everybody wants to be kind of open and flexible and, and, and figure out what's going to be best for baseball moving forward and take some of these experiments and see which ones worked and which ones didn't. All right, great stuff as always. Enjoy the, the next several days, and we'll talk about those playoffs next week. Sounds good, Greg. Thanks, man. It's time to buy or sell. Buy Sell is brought to you by Famous Dave's, your perfect catering choice for business lunches, meetings, weddings, parties, and more. Treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue, made-from-scratch sides, and award-winning desserts. Famous Dave's, we do catering right. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett Whitty Sold. and Austin Orman. Let the buying and the selling commence. Brett and I are ready to go. Are you guys? Yeah, heck, I, be I believe yeah. I am. That's the attitude we love to hear. You, you feeling feeling bullish, feeling like you're going to buy a lot? Do you think you're going to gonna sell in a bear market this week? I, I'm buying I, Ben's questions. <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel like I'm, you know, it, it's dependent. It's dependent upon what, what I'm not going in with any preconceived notion. The, the, the question's going to dictate my answer. That sounds like the way to do it. Speaking of answers, we'll lead off with the answers from last week, starting with a question that Josh asked. It was related to Major League Baseball. It's from back on August 19th, actually, so a, a past answer we finally got resolution on. He asked, buy or sell that the Cardinals and Marlins would combine to play at least 105 games this season. The correct answer was a buy. They hit that 105-game mark on Monday. Everyone except Brett bought it and was correct. Uh, wow. Shame, shame, Brett. I think you I remember you saying, well, everybody else did one thing. I'm going to go the opposite. So I'll give you a pass. Uh, yeah, this is this is going to be a, a tough week for your boy here. Um, moving on, <laughs> next answer coming from the NBA. I asked this question back on August 26th. Uh, buy or sell that Paul George would average 22.5 points per game in the playoffs for the Clippers. He was averaging 19.2 at the time. He ended up finishing with 20.2 as his average, which was a sell. Greg, Josh, and Tim all sold that. Uh, ben, myself, and Austin were all incorrect. Mm. Don't like that. Split it. Playoff P peed the bed. That's what he did. Playoff P is not good. Let's just, we can all agree on that. 
All right, answer number three comes from a Ben question on the NFL. Ben, you asked us if we would buy or sell that Leonard Fournette would score a touchdown for Rob Gronkowski. The correct answer to that was a buy. He got two against the Panthers on a Sunday where Rob Gronkowski hasn't scored yet. Ben, you and I were right in buying that. Everyone else sold. How about that? That'll help the average. Mm. Pew, pew, pew. Mm. Mm. And how about Gronk even had... A couple week advantage. Yeah. The horn train wasn't even getting getting snaps. Yeah. All right. One of uh, Tim's famed NHL questions asked back on September 9th by ourselves that the Lightning would sweep the Islanders or that a Lightning player would record a hat trick uh, in that series. That ended up being a sell. It was not a sweep, and uh, there was no hat trick. Uh, everybody sold that one except for Tim himself. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Tim. Stop uh, asking NHL questions. Uh, it's Timmy, almost Timmy, too Timmy. easy, isn't it, sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of too easy, Greg, you talked about Ben's reputation as the, the softball pitcher here, the slow pitch softball pitcher, and that was Ben's next question. Buy or sell that Nebraska's two crossover opponents had a combined 15 or more wins last year. Pretty much that was Ohio State and anyone but Rutgers. The correct answer was a buy. Everyone bought it. Yeah. <laughs> Stick it right to the Big Ten Conference, right? <laughs> right to it. <laughs> I think that's what we all thought is that we were all kind of going to, yeah. We were gonna... I was feeling a little bitter at the league on that day, if you yeah. couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. Thanks for the thanks for the answer. Sure. A I need to win. For everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm nah, not having a good week, so I needed that. Uh, up next, Josh from the NFL by ourselves that Joe Burrow would run for at least one touchdown uh, last week or pass for more yards than Baker Mayfield. That ended up being a bye. Burrow didn't run for a touchdown, but he outthrew Mayfield in yards 316 to 219. Everybody was a buyer on that one except for Greg. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that's a tough Yeah, one. I think the Brown the Brownies finished with like 250 rush yards. Yeah. yeah Nick Chubb me. and Kareem Hunt both went nuts. So. And the Bengals were so far behind, they were throwing every down. True. Yeah. That is very true. Burrow, well, he looked impressive, though. Burrow did. He did. Yeah. Just not throwing to A.J. Green, the one guy wanted him to throw to. But <laughs> so it goes. Speaking of things going, Tim goes back to the NHL oh, here. He asked, buy or sell that the Islanders would advance past the Lightning or the Lightning would score at least three goals in Game 6. The correct answer was a sell. The Lightning did win the series, but they only got two goals in Game 6. Josh and Brett sold and were correct. Everyone else bought and was incorrect. <laughs> Yeah, had a hard time getting the puck in the net. They had like like 50-some shots, but Varlamov had a career night in saves that night. I think he had like 40-something saves. I concur. I watched that whole thing, definitely. All right, moving on. College football, Greg asked this question by herself that uh, more than two top 25 teams would lose on this past Saturday. That ended up being a sell. Only two ended up losing. Uh, it was number 18, Louisville, and number 23, App State, losing. Ben, Austin, and Tim all sold that and got it correct. Ben, Josh, and myself all incorrect with a buy. Wait, you said my name twice. Did I buy or sell that? You uh, you sold it and got it right. Sorry. Okay. It was uh, Greg, myself, and Josh that got it incorrect. Gotcha. How about that? Only two. Yeah. And, and one of them was a given, yeah, because yep. Miami yep. and Louisville were both yeah. drinks. Yep. There were a yep. couple, though, that were right down towards the end, it, it looked yeah. like. Louisiana. That's a good question. Yeah, Louisiana. Yeah, Louisiana was down 14 nothing right off the yeah. bat. I thought we were looking good. Yeah, Greg, good question. Though. 
Set the line right on the money. Yeah, if you split them, if you get, if you go three for three on uh, who gets it right, you're usually asking a good question. All right, final answer we have from last week comes from the world of golf. Josh asked, buy or sell that Dustin Johnson and John Rahm would both finish in the top 15 of the U.S. Open? The correct answer was a sell. Both of you guys, Greg and Ben, got that one right, as did I. The other three producers bought it and were incorrect. Hmm. Another right down the middle question, three and three. There you go. We're the best, Greg. Yep. Goal lightning. Eat it, Tim. <laughs> that was such a bad week. Well, Three one. <laughs> so the final final tally from last week, Ben and I tied for first. We both went seven of ten. So wow. Ben twenty seven of forty two on the year. You're two questions ahead of Greg that week and overall. Greg, you went five out of ten. Twenty five of forty two on the year. Give give and me seventy percent all day. And you guys, what's what's what, what standings? standing? We, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> So what? <laughs> Josh got 6 out of 10, Tim 5 out of 10, Brett yeah, 4 yeah, out of 10 yeah, last yeah. week. And in terms of standings, Josh and I are tied at 21 of 42, Tim's at 19, and Brett's hanging on yeah, at 18 yeah. out of 42. Come on, Brett. Brett we, need a, we need a good week out of you. <laughs> Come I, on. I, I need a good week out of me. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is horrible. We're going to need you to pass Tim. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't this just be poetic justice if Tim got last? <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm going to set a record for worst, worst percentage here. <laughs> But let's start that new week off here with this week's question. So I'm going to go to our Fantasy Football League to lead us off here. I'm going to ask you guys if you guys are going to buy or sell that the average margin of victory in this week's Sports Nightly Fantasy Football League is 25 points or more. 25 points or more. Right seems on. like we've had we've had a lot of blowouts. It seems like now, Ben, yeah. you and I had a tight one the other day, uh, this week, but we've we had did. a lot of blowouts. A lot. Right now, average margin of victory is forty-five points. Oh my but we had multiple say. eighty-plus point wins over the last couple weeks that is okay. skewing that early on. So the average is twenty-five. That's the question. That's the line. Hmm. Yep. I will. <sighs> Looks like Josh offered me a trade. How about that? <laughs> we'll have to review that later. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna sell that. All right. Greg's selling, so you're expecting close matchups. Yeah, I think we're due for a week where we have tightened it up. Twenty-five points. Um, that one's gonna be tight, I think. Brett and Austin, your guys' matchup interests me. Uh, yeah. I'm going to get blown out. Just going to throw that out there. See, I'm thinking the same thing. Wait, so. you, you scored 200 points this last week. What are you talking about? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the blowouts. So that makes me a, a, a buyer. You're a buyer. Yeah, you're a buyer. And I'm on I'm on the same boat as you, Ben. I'm, I think they're, we're going to continue the trend of blowouts here. I'm going to sell. I'm going to line up with Greg on this. And I think that we have a lot of matchups of one and one teams. So I think it'll be close to 25, but I think it's going to be just under that. that I'm due to get worked, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm 2-0, but I'm a lucky 2-0. Okay. All right, I'm up next. Buy or sell that one of the top 20 teams in the SEC loses this weekend. And here are the matchups. Number five, Florida at Ole Miss. Number 23, Kentucky, so they don't qualify, but they're at number eight, Auburn. Mississippi State at number six, LSU. Number four, Georgia at Arkansas. 
number two, Alabama at Missouri, number 16, Tennessee at South Carolina, and Vanderbilt at number 10, A&M. So buy or sell that one of those top 20 teams gets beat this weekend. And? Greg? Um, I'm going to buy it. Care to call your shot? South Carolina Beach, Tennessee. Yeah, that's nice. So the Kentucky-Auburn one, Kentucky has to win? Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. And Austin, I am going to call an audible on my second question because it's awfully similar to this one. Okay. Noted. Um, man. I don't think Ole Miss beats Florida. I Lane don't Kiffin. think Kentucky wins over Auburn. I don't think Mississippi State wins. The Pirate, I don't think the Pirate's going to go win on the road. <clears throat> I don't trust Arkansas as far as I can throw them. <laughs> Missouri. doesn't even know where Arkansas is. No. Mizzou. Marat. <laughs> Mizzou. I am not rooting for the Fighting Pat 40s. Um, A&M, that's like a 31-point spread. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the favorites. I'm going to Jeff Colhane this question. Wow. I'm going to sell it. <laughs> All chalk. All right, I'm going to buy this one and actually go with South Carolina as well. Tennessee is, seems like they've been really good in past years at losing those games that they're probably not supposed to lose. See, if there was a game that I was going to buy, it would be Tennessee losing to South Carolina, but I think the Vols are going to get off on a winning track. So I'm going to sell it like Ben. All right, very good. Okay, I'll, I'll go with uh, question number one that I sent you, or question number two that I sent you, Austin. Um, so this one is buy or sell that at least two 0-2 NFL teams beat 2-0 NFL teams this weekend. So there's four matchups of 0-2 versus 2-0. Are you buy or selling that two 0-2 teams beat 2-0? Do you have the matchups? I can get you the matchup. I think I have them here. So the first one is the Falcons hosting the Bears. Okay. After okay. that, you have the 0-2 Vikings hosting the 2-0 Titans. Hmm. The 2-0 Steelers hosting the 0-2 Texans. And then the hmm. final game is the 2-0 Cardinals hosting the 0-2 Lions. Man, and two of those two of those need to, to come through? Yeah. Yes. Right. So I'm going to buy then? it. Ben's I'm going to buy it, and I'm going to call. It's the Falcons over the Bears, and it's the um, Texans over the Steelers. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I'm going to buy that one as well. And I, if we're going to call our shots, I definitely have to go Houston and Atlanta as well. Austin? I uh, I don't know. I, I don't trust Houston. I, I really don't. Plus, I want them to lose. So you hate Houston anyway. <laughs> I very much do. So that one is not hard. I think Detroit has a chance against Arizona. I don't fully trust them. I also don't trust that Detroit defense. I'm going to sell. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see one, but I don't think it's going to get to two. I'm with you. I'm one, not two. I'm selling. 
right, there you have it. Uh, my question from the NBA buy or sell that Nuggets guard Jamal Murray hits a go-ahead shot with under two minutes left in any game in the remainder of the Western Conference Finals. And uh, I'm going to buy that one. He's been hot. Man, that's tough. I think there'll be a lot of close ones as well. I think it's going to be a good rest of the series, but I don't think the Lakers let it get that close. I'll I'll sell that one. You think they put him away here? I do. I'm with you. I'm going to sell it too. I mean, the the scenario you set up that he has to make a shot to put him ahead, that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of a – I mean, they could have a lead the whole time and he didn't have to do that. So that's an interesting scenario. So with all that against it, I'm going to sell it. All right. I'm with you. I'm going to sell on this one also. I hope you're all wrong. <laughs> all right, three this could be a chance. The door, the, the door could be open, Brett. <laughs> this is how the comeback starts. Yeah. One question at a time. <laughs> all right, so we'll go to Josh's question next. He asks, buy or sell that at least five of the eight MLB wildcard round series go to the third game? Five of the eight, huh? Yes, 62.5% of them. I'm going to, man, I'm going to, I think I'm going to sell this one. I wouldn't be surprised to see three or four, but I think the one, one eights and two sevens are going to be sweeps. That's four of them there. I think one other only goes to, so I'll, I'll sell that one. I'm with you too. I think five's a little high. I think it's, I think it's going to land at four. So I think five's too high. So I sell. Oh, man. Should have asked Lane this question. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm a sell, too, unfortunately. All right. Oh, man, I want to be different than you guys, but I'm also nervous after that last question. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm going to go with peer pressure on this one and sell it uh, with absolutely no information whatsoever on, on what this question is. All right, we'll flip the order back over here, back to the top. I I asked another fantasy football question here. I'm riding high after last week, the first 200-point effort of the season. So I'm going to ask you guys if you'll buy or sell that there are at least three more instances of one of our fantasy football league teams scoring 200 points this season. I'm going to sell. I think it's a little bit high, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen another time or two. It's a lot of points. What did you end up with? Two... It's like just over. I, it's like two hundred point seven or. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that that's too many. You said three more times. Three more times. Nope. Nope. Sell. So. We've gotten close. Bando put up one hundred ninety-two last week as well. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing to consider now is some of those huge scores are injured. Yep. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. But not Aaron Jones. Not Aaron Jones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Knock on wood. <laughs> knock on wood, yeah. After last week. <laughs> Only three more times the entire year does someone get to 200. Um, I actually think that line's pretty good. Put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> I'm going to sell it just because... This is a PPR league. I've been in in multiple PPR leagues in the past, and 200 is actually pretty rare. Mm -hmm. I will say there are some teams in our league that are 
that are pretty stacked that are capable of doing it, maybe more so than I've seen in, in other leagues. I, th I definitely think it happens again, but I think three times is probably too many, so I'm selling. Yeah, I'm going to sell that as well. I think it's going to be an injury thing of where the guys that were putting up a ton of points in those first few weeks kind of start to drop off and cause a little less. All right. Was that your question, Austin? It was, that wasn't was, it? That was, yeah. It's back to you. All right. Back to me. All right. Buy or sell that Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson combined to score at least six touchdowns in their matchup on Monday. I am going to sell it. Wow. Wow. Six TDs combined? Yep. Yeah. I think that's I think that's pretty close. Um, that's the idea. <laughs> Greg's good at these lines. Three apiece. Or four and two. Hmm. I don't know what the over under is in that game. Lamar hasn't rushed for a touchdown yet this year. Tim's having a panic attack right now. Over-under is 54.5, by the way, Ben. 54.5, okay. So it's about 3.5 touchdowns apiece. All would need to be responsible for for the quarterbacks. I'm selling. Yes, sir. All right. okay. Sold. All right, I'm going to buy that. Give me all the points, all the scoring. I will, I will follow Brett on this one. I'm going to buy it as well. Lamar only had one rushing touchdown against the Chiefs last year. No passing touchdowns. Mahomes had three passing touchdowns as well. I think Lamar gets on the board through the air this year, and I expect fireworks. All right, very All right. good. Okay, this is my uh, question made up on the fly Ooh. because we, uh, we called an audible. So we're going back to college football here. We're going to the Oklahoma Sooners quarterback, Spencer Rattler. Okay. Last week, or I should say two weeks ago, against Missouri State, he had a completion percentage of 82%, 290 passing yards, and four touchdowns. So based off those stats, buy or sell that Spencer Rattler has a completion percentage against Kansas State of at least 80% or – Ooh. Equals his passing yards at 290 or equals his touchdowns at four. Oh so you've goodness. got three possibilities, oh all pretty high marks. 80% completion okay. or 290 passing or at least four total touchdowns. Could be rushing as well. And three chances, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy that one. I don't think he gets the 80%. That's pretty insane. I, the 290 yards, I believe, that he will go over. And four, four, I could see him getting four. I could see him getting four. So, yeah, buy for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll make it a buy as well with the, the couple qualifiers. I, I'm with Brett. The 80% seems a little, little on the high side, but I think 290 is more than attainable, and four touchdowns is certainly within the realm of possibility. Buy it. Sooners are going to get a lot of points on the board. All right. Sooners are booming, according to us. <laughs> my, 
My, uh, my next question also coming from the NBA buyer sell that Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler combined for at least 18 points in the second half of tonight's Eastern Conference final matchup. And you? Uh, I am going to buy that. I'll get, give me points again. Just give me all the points. Yeah, I'm taking the points too. I know these are two really good defensive teams. I know Miami especially slowed Boston down in the zone. I think Boston's starting to figure it out a little bit. And I think most of that's going to come from Tatum. I think that he'd have enough secondary options. Butler will chip in a little bit, but I think Jason Tatum provides the bulk of that 18. Yeah, I'm going to buy it too. I think, yeah, those two guys are going to combine for that. I, yeah, I'll buy. Sure. Man, I, I'm wanting to be different. Um, <laughs> my, uh, yeah. I'll let you answer here. 18 points is all? 18, 18. is all. Yeah. Jimmy Bucket and Tatum. Um, Two all-stars. I think I got to take the points, unfortunately. All right. See, my, my reasoning for this, the low t- point total is Jason Tatum currently has zero points. Seven minutes left in the second quarter. Wow. Okay. So hopefully all of his points come in the second half. <laughs> all right. So we took the points on the last couple questions. Here's uh, one where we're going to go into the shaving aspect. Tim goes back to the NHL, his his favorite well. He asks, buy or sell that there are at least 55 combined saves in tonight's Stanley Cup game between the Stars and the Lightning. <laughs> I know nothing about hockey. I feel entirely unqualified to give an answer first. 55. I mean, Benny talked about... That dude for the Islanders having a game of his life with, like, 48. Even if each guy gets half of that, you know, you're, you're most of the way to 55. It, it seems high, but I guess I'm going to buy it. I'll be different. I'll sell. So we need 55 total saves, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In tonight's game? Yes. Yep. I'm buying. Vasilevsky had, like, 16 in the first period by himself so i'm buying yeah as much as i want to fade anything tim throws out there i'll buy this one and that'll be it you know tim's buying too (laughs) tim's a buyer big buyer yes he is all right good stuff boys well done